0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Angels Stadium in Los Angeles. It's the LA Angels 4, the Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan. And despite the losing streak that we are on, I still want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And it's another rough game for the Guardians last night. Another, frankly, boring game offensively i mean the guardians do not put up much of a fight in this one only four hits on the day they don't score until the ninth inning when the game was pretty much over uh only four hits only one walk so not even that many guys on base not even that many situations where we threaten the angels um, for potential rallies, so a really rough game to watch. But there's still some details in here, some things worth talking about. There's always storylines out of every baseball game, and we've got storylines for you in this one. And the first one for me is Patrick Sandoval's changeup. Patrick Sandoval, the starter for the Angels last night, going up against Tristan McKenzie, and Sandoval was dominant over seven innings pitched, only gave us up two hits, no runs, one walk, and nine strikeouts on 90 pitches. He's only hard hit four times over 90 pitches. So how did he do it? Well, it's pretty simple. His changeup was electric. Going to the player breakdown, he throws the changeup 31 times, the most of any pitch. On 17 swings, he gets nine whiffs. That's a 53% whiff rate. He adds in three called strikes for 39% CSW, and he was using it to end at-bats to put people away. only put 3 changeups in play the whole night, and it had an average exit velocity of 77.2. So even if we were making contact with it, it was not even close to hard contact. Uh, So, yeah, that changeup was fantastic. The rest of his pitches were pretty good, too. I mean, he has a 39% CSW on his four-seam fastball, mostly on called strikes. He has a 40% CSW on his two-seam sinker, mostly on called strikes. And then he's got a 50% CSW on his slider. And that's a split, actually, a 50% whiff rate on it and three called strikes. So, yeah, 38% total CSW on the day for Patrick Sandoval. That is elite. Stuff right there. If you're getting close to 40% CSW, that is pretty darn elite. And going over to the Illustrator, you know, how was he attacking these guardians hitters? Uh well, when it came to getting strikeouts, when it came to ending at bats, it was all about the changeup. And I'm telling you, these guardians hitters were chasing. Um, he ends up getting, I believe, only six appear on the illustrator, so maybe one didn't register on cast, or maybe two were in the exact same location. But he ends up getting seven strikeouts via the changeup and two via sliders, one sweeping across the plate to Andres Jimenez in the sixth inning. And oh, both Andres Jimenez, both the lefty Andres Jimenez, in there against a left-handed pitcher, had to deal with those sliders sweeping across the zone, one in the third inning and one in the sixth inning. And he swung at both of them. Uh, these are both swinging strike strikeouts for Sandoval here. Now the changeups, my God, two of them are in the zone. Fermio Reyes in the second inning swings through a changeup at the bottom of the zone, and the, actually look at that—they're both Fermio Reyes. In the seventh inning, he's got a called strike three on a changeup on the inside edge to uh, to Fermil Reyes. So who is chasing out of the zone? I got Fermio Reyes chasing strikeout. Fermio struck out a lot. Reyes struck out a lot. We're going to get to that. Outside the zone, Miles Straw in the first inning chases a changeup down and away. Uh, Owen Miller in the fourth inning chases a changeup down out of the zone. And Austin Hedges chases one in the dirt in the fifth inning. So these guys were definitely chasing this changeup down out of the zone. It was a brutal pitch. It was nasty stuff. Um for Guardians hitters. Uh so yeah, so that's what was going on for Patrick Sandoval and I really want to look at this matchup between Sandoval and Fermil Reyes because it gets ugly here. It gets really ugly for Fermil Reyes. He ends up going 0 for 4 with four strikeouts on the day and we need that. I mean, we need this guy to hit. We need Fermil Reyes big time. We need him to be at an all-star level offensively. A lot of this offense is built around the top two guys in this lineup can get on base, and Jose Ramirez and Fermil Reyes can drive him in and finish rallies. And if Fermil Reyes is striking out this much, it's really, really going to be hard for this Guardians offense to get going. So how does Sandoval get Reyes in the second inning? Well, starts him off with a slider that he chases down at the bottom of the zone, So he's flailing to start, and you'll see how his confidence gets destroyed as this game goes on. He lays up a changeup that's way down and away, comes back with a four-seam fastball up in the zone that he swings through, and then a changeup at the bottom of the zone that he swings through as well for strike three. We talked about him missing pitches in the strike zone, right? That seems to be a thing this season. Even when they're in the strike zone, these pitches are not on the black. These pitches are hittable pitches for Formio Reyes. And he's swinging through and missing. His timing is off. His balance is off. It's not going well. All right, so he comes up and faces Sandoval for the second time. And this time, Sandoval says, forget it. I'm just going to stay out of the zone. I'm going to stay below the zone and see if this guy will chase. So he throws him a four-seam fastball below the zone that he lays off. Comes back. Gives him one high one at the top of the zone for a called strike. Got a decent call on that one for Sandoval in Sandoval's favor. Goes back to the bottom of the zone with a changeup that uh, he lays off for a ball. Stays down there, though. Throws him another changeup below the zone that he swings at. This ball is at least two or three baseballs below the knees. And he's swinging at it uh, after he just laid off it. So I don't know what the the approach is here from Sandoval. It looks like he was going low, then high, low, then high. But no, he stays low and he figures, I can get this guy to swing at this changeup and just stays down there for the next two pitches, both below the zone, both out of the zone. So why Reyes lays it off it, uh, you know, for the second ball on the count, to make it a 2-1 count? Why he lays off the changeup there, and then two changeups in the exact same location, basically, he can't lay off. He just saw it, you'd think he'd be able to lay off it, but nope, he goes and chases it for strike two, and goes and chases it down there for strike three. All right, so now he's been really aggressive. He's been swinging at a lot of changeups, been swinging at a lot of strikes. So, how does he attack him in the next at bat? Well, this time he goes for a curveball in a first pitch just to mix him up and misses with it for ball one, high and away. Uh, he actually gets, you know, Fermil Reyes gets into a hitter's count here throws him a two-seam fastball that frankly paints the black at the knees but doesn't get the call this time. He got the call at the top of the zone last at-bat, can't get the call at the knees in this at-bat. Comes back with a get-me-over fastball for a called strike. That's probably the pitch that Reyes should have swung at at this point. Uh, gets a four-seam fastball on the inside edge that he fouls off. All right, at least he's making some contact. Throws him a changeup down in the dirt. He lays off it. All right. Something positive. Throws him a changeup in the middle of the zone that he fouls off. This is up at the letters. That's probably the pitch that he needed to hit in this at bat. And then comes back with another changeup at the thighs on the inside edge, and he lays off it. He thinks this ball is going to break in. He thinks this pitch is going to be in off the plate. He even raises his hands a little bit. To show that he thinks this thing's coming in on him, and it it catches the black. He he's got no argument on this one. Called strike three. So two called strikes in this one. He was able to foul off some pitches, you know, extend the at bat that usually works in his favor, but not this time. The called strike three, and then in his final at bat of the day, it wouldn't be against Patrick Sandoval. It would be against Russell Iglesias, who come in to save the game. After uh, Ramirez finally puts the Guardians on the board, and at this by this point his confidence is absolutely shot. He looks, uh, he takes a ball inside for ball one, looks at a four seam fastball right down the pipe for strike one. Looks at a slider inside. Frankly, uh, you know it's a right handed pitcher to the right handed batter, and he throws him a slider inside. And frankly, this is off the plate. He gets a, Iglesias gets the call here. Um, so now he's down 1-2, throws him another slider sweeping across to the outside edge. This one is a strike, and it's a called strike three. So you can see how Reyes' confidence is just shot at this point. He had chased too many pitches, already struck out uh, three times on the day, and just can't get the bat off his shoulders in this ninth inning. And remember, this is with Jose Ramirez standing on second base after uh, you know an RBI double that brings in straw. And Reyes can't get the bat off his shoulder. So the big man's confidence is it's pretty shot, and Sandoval took advantage of it. Iglesias really takes advantage of it in the ninth inning, and he goes 0-4 with four strikeouts on the day. So Sandoval, absolutely fantastic for the Angels. I mean, I said it before the series started that, you know, the reason the Angels always struggle, they always have a lineup, but they can't pitch. Well, the Angels are showing me something here. They're showing me some pitchers here. You know, this is not, you know, I'm not messing around anymore when it comes to Angels pitching. These guys are pretty decent. So we'll see what they look like by the end of the season. We get Otani today. So uh, Otani is one of those pitchers that can, like, fill up a highlight reel but still lose the game and only go four innings. You know, it's it's strange. Otani's season so far, it's a little bit strange. Uh, I think people are still just enamored with the, you know, the aura of Shohei Otani, the allure of the guy that can do it both on the pitcher's mound and up at the plate. Um, even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he still is a highlight reel. And so we're going to get to see that tonight. We're going to get to see, hopefully we do, hopefully we do get to him and knock him out in the fourth inning and then make him DH the rest of the game. Uh, yeah, we have really struggled against the Angels pitching so far. All right, my next storyline on the day, we might as well stick with this pitching matchup, and let's go over to the Guardian side of things where Tristan McKenzie was on the mound. Tristan McKenzie holds his own. It's not a quality start. Remember, that's six innings pitch, three runs or less. He goes five and two-thirds, gives up seven hits, four runs, no walks, though, six strikeouts, does give up the home run on 90 pitches. He is hard hit 10 times on 90s pitches. The Guardians pitchers in general are hard hit 14 times. So yeah, the uh, Angels batting order definitely making things difficult for Guardians pitching, especially the middle of the order. Trout, Rendon, both with multi-hit games, both with multi-extra base hit games in the middle of the Angels lineup. So what was working for McKenzie on the day? Going over his player breakdown page, it was the four-seam fastball. Uh, He had a 33% CSW on that. He had 13 called strikes on his four-seam fastball, which he threw 55 times. He was really relying on it. Uh, Average velocity of 92.3, not bad. Maxed out at 94 miles per hour. So I think actually a little bit down. Well, they say, StatCast says that's actually right around his yearly average. So um, I think the max might be down a little tiny, tiny bit from what we've seen so far this season from McKenzie, but it was all forcing fastballs for him on the day. Did mix in 21 curves and 14 sliders, uh, not to much effect. It's only a 30% CSW total on the day. He does have six strikeouts. I mean, he starts out strong in this one. Uh, He gets Trout to strike out actually in that first at bat, but Trout would be paying attention to what McKenzie was doing and it would come back to bite him later in the game. So let's go to that matchup right now. Let's look at Tristan McKenzie against Mike Trout, one of the best hitters in all of baseball. And how does he attack him here? He actually gets lucky on this one. We'll just wait to the fourth pitch. Uh, a forcing fastball on the outside edge called strike. Comes back on the inside edge and gets another called strike on Trout. Puts it under his hands. Uh, gets a good call there. Tries to throw him a slider outside to see if he chases chase a slider. Doesn't do it. Throws him a forcing fastball, then right down the middle of the plate that he fouls off. I would love to see where Austin Hedges was set up on this one, because I doubt it was right down the middle of the plate. I'm talking dead center of the strike zone. So he gets lucky that Trout fouls that off, and then throws him another slider to the outside edge, You could tell that Trout thought this thing was going to sweep outside just like that third pitch did. He had already laid off the slider once. He thought for sure this one was going to slide outside just, just like the other one did. It doesn't. McKenzie drops it on the black, called strike three. Trout sits down to end the inning. Awesome from McKenzie right there. Absolutely fantastic. But what would happen the next time Trout was up? Next time, Trout's up, and I believe this is with a runner on base. Let's see who was on base ahead of him. Uh, Taylor Ward, the leadoff hitter, was on with a single with a one-out single. He would strike out Otani, but then Trout would come up. And in the matchup here, he goes slider down in the dirt, but then goes slider again, going for that outside edge again. And this time, Trout is ready for it. So he looked at it for strike three. And he knew what was coming. He knew what that pitch looked like. He knew this one was in the strike zone. Similar location to where he got that called strike three in the first inning. And this time he hits it 103.6 miles per hour, 392 out to left field for a two-run home run. So if you think Trout was paying attention, you think Trout was ready, he maybe looked at it, looked at that pitch and said, yeah, okay, next time he throws that slider, I'm going to be ready for it. And he didn't just hit it opposite field. This isn't like he took an outside pitch, a slider breaking away from him, and poked it out in a right center field. He turned on this thing, 103.6 miles per hour. So Trout was ready for him. Now, the next time that Trout comes up against Tristan McKenzie, and Trout did most of the damage on the day. He had three RBIs on the day. This time with Shohei Otani on first base. Uh, Shohei Otani actually goes in motion uh, so this time he tries to go a little more fastball on him, throws him a fastball up at the top of the zone that he gets for a called strike, throws him a fastball even higher, maybe above the strike zone, and gets another called strike on him. tries throwing a slider down um, below the knees that he fouls off. Remember, Trout was recognizes that slider. Now he knows that slider is not going to sweep outside the zone, and it doesn't. It stays in the strike zone, but below the strike zone, and gets him to foul it off. Men comes back with a four-seam fastball, and guess where this one is? Down the middle, just right of center, just to the outside of center, and he turns on this one. Again, this time 102.2 miles per hour into the left field corner, hits off the base of the wall, and Otani, moving on the pitch, comes in to score. So this is, I remember I told you in that first at-bat, he gets away with one in the middle of the zone, this one he does not get away with. Again, I would love to see where Austin Hedges is set up on this pitch, but McKenzie left one in the middle of the zone against Mike Trout, the greatest hitter in baseball right now, and he pays for it. He absolutely pays for it. Trout, who had, it felt like we had kept Trout in check to start this series, uh, really unloads in this game, and uh, you can see why he's one of the best hitters in all of baseball. So, That was McKenzie's battle against Trout all night. I thought that was the biggest storyline. Anthony Rendon also had two doubles uh, in the game, but I thought uh, Trout was the big storyline of the game because Rendon's didn't drive in any runs. He does end up scoring a run, uh, but he didn't drive in any runs. And Trout was the big RBI machine, driving in three RBIs on the day. So... That was the big storyline as far as Guardians pitching goes. Ennio De Los Santos comes in and does do good shutting things down, holding the the game in check so the Guardians at least have a chance. Him and Anthony Ghosh actually go two and a third combined innings. Ghosh gives up a hit and a walk. De Los Santos gets a strikeout, but they don't give up any runs. They give up some hard hit balls, but they don't give up any runs. So that's a great job out of the bullpen by those two. The Guardians' bullpen is legit. I mean, with De Los Santos in there, um, with Henches actually pitching really well, Trevor Steffen better than he was last year, Uh, the bullpen is no joke for the Guardians. We were a little bit worried about it. And this is, you know, without Karinczak, too. So Karinczak could add another element to this, another strikeout element to the back end of this bullpen. Now we just got to get the offense going we got to get the starters to hold some things down, and we got to get this offense going. I think the starters will do better if the offense can get them some support, some runs. Jose Ramirez does have a good at-bat in the ninth inning. He turns on an inside pitch and hits a double into the corner, which scores Miles Straw flying around the bags from first base. Um, But that's it offensively. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible night for the Guardians' offense. The last storyline I have in this game was actually just great defense. We don't talk about it much because it doesn't show up on the box score. It doesn't show up in StatCast anywhere. But if you flash back to this game, if you watch the highlights, there were a ton of good defensive plays, including Anthony Rendon and Jose Ramirez, both making fantastic stops at third base on really hard hit balls. Rendon has to lay out for his. Uh, Ramirez more can take it on the knee, but they were both balls that were going to get past these guys that they were able to get Leather on, snag it, and come up and make a good throw to first base. So some great third base defense there. They called the hot corner for a reason. We also had Oscar Mercado laying out in right field. Uh, Mercado, we talked about in that Yankees game when he overruns the ball. Usually Mercado, very reliable out there, and he shows it again here laying out to his right in right center field to snag a line drive. And then the big uh, out-at-home play. Trout tries scoring one more time in this game, late in the game. Uh, it's a hit off the base of the wall. I forget who hit this one. Let me see if I can find it here on the scoreboard. Um, oh, yeah, it would be in the eighth inning. So Trout would walk, and then Jared Walsh right behind him would double 107.8 miles per hour, 386 to the wall in center field. Straw is on it quickly. He throws an absolute strike to Ahmed Rosario, the cutoff man. He relays it home, gives a one hopper to Austin Hedges. That Hedges makes a great stop on the ball actually bounced over his head. I mean, it was up over his head. and He's able to snag it and drop the tag down on Mike Trout trying to score from first. So a huge, huge defensive play to try to keep this game in check late in that eighth inning. Uh, After Jared Walsh absolutely smokes one, the defense comes through and gets Trout at the plate. So a great relay there. Uh, Great job by Straw throwing an absolute strike, an absolute rope to Ahmed Rosario to set him up to make that throw home. So the defense was there, uh, but, you know, the hitting just was not. So that is all my storylines in this game. MVP on the day. I mean, look. There isn't anything offensively I can really hang my hat on. Jose Ramirez does have the RBI hit, but uh, MVP for the day, I'm going to go with Eniel De Los Santos. Uh, Inning in a third, like I said, no hits for him, no walks, a strikeout, does give up two hard-hit balls, but on 12 pitches, really handles uh, the Angels' hitters. And Terry Francona talked about him after the game and was like, look, we knew this guy was good. We wanted to break camp with him. We just didn't have a spot for him. I think that's because they thought they were going to do more piggybacking than they actually did. They never end up doing it. They talk about it all the time, but they never really end up doing it. Where a starter only has to go through the order like once, one time, and then you get a second starter in there that goes through the order one time, and then by the third time, you're into the heart of your bullpen. They they don't do it. But they brought all these guys. They brought Pilkington, and they brought Logan Allen, and they brought these guys thinking they were going to piggyback, so, Eniel De Los Santos, he wasn't on the 40-man roster, so was able to, um, or was he on the 40-man roster to start the season? Either way, they had an option on him left. They could start him down in A without risking losing him, and now that he's here, I think this guy's a fixture of the bullpen. I don't think this guy goes anywhere. I think even, no matter what, if Karinschek comes back healthy, no matter what, this guy is definitely going to be in this mix. In this bullpen, how could you? How could you not? How could you move him back down, or something like that, to keep a Logan Allen, uh, in the bullpen or something like that? This guy's too good. Uh, he's really figuring it out. Uh, pitching in the Cleveland system. So, De Los Santos, you get MVP for the day. Look, I don't want to keep giving MVP to the day to relief pitchers. Relief pitchers should be, uh, you know, uh, barely, barely noticed, right? We wanted to just be a nice, quick, quiet inning when a relief pitcher comes in. They shouldn't be winning MVP on the day. But until the offense gets going, and until we have a really dominant start from one of our starters, that's all I got. You look at this box star you score, you tell me anybody else that really had a positive impact on this game. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that is all my thoughts on this one. I want to talk about a win. Let's go get a win, Guardians. Let's go put some offense together. I want to talk about some rallies. I want to talk about some big hits from Guardians hitters. Man, these guys, look they just look like their spirit was broken by New York. I don't know. Something about the sweep of New York or just the atmosphere playing in New York. It just doesn't seem like there's energy there, right? Up at the plate, they don't seem like they're locked in. I don't know what's going on. They just... I don't know. If they, frankly, it feels like they need Stephen Kwan back, right? They need Kwan. If for some reason, the young guy like energized everybody on the team. When he was getting on base, everybody on the team was playing better. So I, I he still has not gone on the IL. So we'll see if he's in there today against the righty or Richie Palacios is back in there against the righty Otani. Um, maybe both. Maybe both, right? There's no reason Mercado has to be in there against a righty. Maybe they go with Palacios and and Quan in there. I I think we need Quan back in this lineup. I don't think Ahmed Rosario is doing anything in the two hole. Ahmed Rosario is hitting 224 now with a 562 OPS. Uh, he's just not giving you anything in that two hole. We need a Quan or a Palacios back in there. Um, Naylor should be back in there tonight. Let's see if he can hit hard off the uh, off the righty Otani. Yeah, I mean Otani's gonna strike some guys out. He's absolutely gonna do it. His split finger is nasty. Some of his other stuff is nasty. So there's gonna be some strikeouts, but he is hittable, right? He is, he is not the best pitcher in baseball. He is the best pitcher at baseball at times. But I don't think Otani has really shown it over like a 30-game, you know, season, a 30-start season. There are times when you can get to him, where you can knock him out of a game. In fact, let's go. Let's look at what Otani has done so far this season. Let's look at his game logs uh, just to let you know. Um, oh, and you're going to show me his hitting game logs. Now I need to see his pitching game logs. That shows you how much of an, of an anomaly that Shohei Otani is in the game of baseball. I go to his baseball savant page. I don't even have an easy way to switch to his pitching stats. Uh, Fangraphs at least does. So we'll jump over to Fangraphs here. So in his first uh, start of the season, he actually... Uh, takes the loss to the Houston Astros. Uh, only gives up one run, one a uh, one run in that game on four hits. Uh, but takes the loss in that game. His second start against Texas Rangers, he again takes the loss. Only goes three and two thirds in that one. Gives up six runs on six hits, including a home run, um, and takes the loss in that one. His last time against Houston, though, he was locked in six innings pitched. One hit, no runs, one walk, 12 strikeouts in that one to get the win. So he's one and two on the season. Uh, He struck out nine Houston Astros in his first start, only five Texas Rangers in that second start. Texas got to him. So, like I said, you can get to this guy. It is possible, but we'll see how locked in he is against these Guardians hitters. And we'll see if some of these guys can shake off the cobwebs and get this offense going. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. The final again from LA. It's the Angels for the Guardians one. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Pleasac versus Otani. Oh, yeah, by the way, Pleasac is starting for us. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.